This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 331, brought to you by the Summit City Comic Con and iFanboy members like you. She's a primitive girl. She says it is so. She cuts to the chase. you like nobody else. If you say how you doing, she'll say I'm doing well. She's a primitive girl, she says it herself. Hey, welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 331. I am Josh Flanagan and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Did you forget for a second? Yeah, I almost said I, I'm I'm Connor Kilpatrick. What's I'm, yeah, you, you want to, you can take that on for a while if you want. We'll swap one of those weird. It'll be like Freaky Friday. That'll be excellent. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be you, you'd be like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> what what did I get myself into? You, you'd be like, you get up how early? <laughs> uh and Ron Richards is here with me. I'm not switching with anybody. Uh, you've got you love yourself too much. Yes. iFanboy.com is our website about comic books. We started it because we read comic books and we like comic books and we can't stop talking about them. Uh, every week we read a bunch of them. One of us has the job of picking their, their favorite out of the stack, the best one that they read that week. That is called the pick of the week. And they write about it on the website. Then we come here. We, we start the show off talking about that. We name the whole show after it, but it's really only like 10 minutes. Uh, then we talk about other books from the week, answer some questions, uh, yada, yada, yada. Before we know it, time's up, and we've all had a good time and learned something. Did hopefully. you just yada, yada the show? Awesome. I did. See I you next done. week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what the thing is, is that the yada yada was in my vocabulary before that episode. Sure it was. Yeah, you were, you yeah, were yeah, there yeah, before yeah. My we mom know. used to say it. We I know. swear. The pirate jokes in college. Right. No, that 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 was completely. Also, by the way, that was twenty plus years ago. Uh, <laughs> pick of the week. Uh, spoilers is what could be a part of what we're talking no, about because it wasn't twenty plus years ago. No, it wasn't. It was Not sixteen yet. years ago. Yeah. That put us in college when we were 13, 14. That was while we were in college. That one. Yeah. That episode. Other ones, yes. Anyway, uh, not relevant. Spoilers are relevant. They're not, though, is the point. <laughs> Unless they are, in which case they could be coming. Watch your ass. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to be more vague about the spoiler warning so that people will be like, you didn't say anything. Well, you did. You just weren't paying attention. <laughs> Ron? In the subtext. Yeah. Just saying, sometimes things are going to happen. You might not want to know about it. That's enough. You have the pick of the week, Ron. I did have the pick of the week. Um, man, it was, I had like thirty books this week. This is a this is a lot came out this week, um, and I kind of this is kind of a, a week of self discovery and revelation for me. Um, as, <laughs> as, God, how long have you been in San Francisco? <laughs> <laughs> no, but as I was reading through my comics, and and we'll talk about this a little more as we get to the other books that came out this week. But I realized that, like personally for me, where I'm at as a comic reader. You know, I really feel as if the, the, the books that I'm really connecting with and the books that I'm really excited about are the ones that are really unlike anything that I've read before. Are really, you know, like I'm, I'm really digging on new ideas and new kind of, you know, 
just new stuff, new concepts in comics. And while, you know, and, and not to take away from Avengers vs. X-Men or Batman or anything else is going on because there's some great stuff going on in superhero books, I, I, after 20 plus years, I'm kind of getting to the point where, okay, well, you know, like I've, I kind of want something different. I kind of want something else. And, Welcome, Ron. Yes, Welcome. Yes. Well, no, which is – but the thing is I've always had that 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 part of me. You know what I mean? Like it's – you know, I've always had an interest in indie books and I've always had a um, – uh, you know, like a, a, I've always wanted to have a corner of the comics that I read to be something different and something else. But lately for some reason I've just been really getting excited about the the, the surprises that, that could be out there, both in art and in story. I mean like I've talked about this a lot in terms of, you know, while there's some classic artists that I love – you know, with newer artists, the artists that I'm really looking for are the ones that are unlike any, anybody I've ever seen before that are doing different things that are, you know. Um, but from a story-wise, um, you know, I got to say I'm really and – and it's and anybody who listens to the show or reads iFanboy.com, it's, it's no surprise. But I'm really, really enjoying, you know, kind of what's going on in comics right now in terms of this idea of new ideas, um, particularly around what's going on in Image with a lot of, a lot of the recent creator-owned stuff. Um, you know, last week we talked about Saga number 2. You know, which is you know science fiction and romance and Brian K. Vaughan awesomeness, and we've we've also been talking about what Jonathan Hickman's been doing with last week with Secret Number One came out, and a month a month ago when Manhattan Project Number One came out, but this week after you know going through thirty comics, many of which are Marvel and DC, and many of which were um, superhero stuff, but then reading you know stuff like The Rocketeer and Profit, and then Six Gun, and then eventually getting to Manhattan Project Number Two. I realized that, like, man, this is the stuff that I'm most excited about reading. And then after reading Manhattan Projects number two, I just had to sit back and I was like, this is great because I never have any idea what's coming in this comic. And and to be delighted and surprised by it each time is just something that, I, that I'm totally having a blast about. And with Manhattan Projects number two, uh, Jonathan Hickman takes uh, the concept, and, and for those who didn't listen to the show when we talked about Manhattan Projects number one, or if you're not aware of it, the concept is, is you know, the, there was the Manhattan Project, which was the American government project to build the atom bomb, and they brought the other scientists, and, and it's very well documented, and folks like Oppenheimer and Einstein and things like that, um, scientists that participated. Um, and what Hickman's done with that idea is saying, well, what if that was just one project that a whole group in the War Department covered that was called the Manhattan Projects. And what if there was this cabal of American scientists who are helping to further the American effort through science? Um, and we got that great first issue where we were introduced to uh, Oppenheimer and his uh, kind of du- dual personality, so to speak. And I don't want to, anyone who hasn't read it yet, I don't want to ruin the, 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 even though we spoiled it on the last episode. Um, but this uh, issue did two great things with this issue. One is it introduced us to another scientist, um, uh, 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 Richard Feynman, who, if you're not aware who Richard Feynman is, he's uh, an American uh, scientist that's best known for his work in quantum physics and quantum mechanics, and a lot of his work has led to quantum computing and things like that, so quantum. That's a key word. I like in the first two pages, there was both uh, Jack Napier and Stuart Smalley in him. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so we so we get introduced to this to this uh, to Richard Feynman who's a who's going looks to be a key scientist in the Manhattan projects. Well, also he's been narrating the his little the opening closing yeah. boxes have been from from a uh, probably I assume fictionalized book of his. So yeah, that's, yeah. he's he's going to be really key. Yeah, exactly. But then it also introduces which is which we've talked about many a time, the classic timeless villains for comic books, the Nazis. And the issue opens up with um, the idea uh, with the 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 Nazi scientist. Uh, what, what's his name? Werner, Werner von Braun Braun. Werner von Braun, who um, you know, many people know, and a lot you know, Hellboy and other comics have really set, you know kind of focused on the the Hitler's obsession with the occult and the 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 World War II efforts of the Nazis to get occult items, but it. In addition to being in reality obsessed with the occult, you know, Hitler and the Nazis were very also conscious of science, and they were trying to build the bomb, and they were trying to build rockets, and that sort of thing. So Werner von Braun uh, is Hitler's kind of go-to science guy, and he's got a great mech arm, which is like a robotic arm in the in the forties, which is great. And this issue is focused on the idea that you know the war the war is ending. Uh, you know the Nazis are close to um, are close to surrendering, and so the Manhattan Projects need to go and get the Nazi science secrets, and they need to uh, go capture Werner von Braun and, and convert him. And so they send Richard Feynman into Europe to go talk to him to go make it happen. And 
every page of this I w- was riveting as far as I'm it was it was just great from the roundtable discussion of the Manhattan Project scientists where we get a lot more Albert Einstein where the first issue we just got a glimpse and now we just get this weathered gritty he's, grim you know <laughs> he's the key yes yeah like he's like he's going to be the the one character I think that the is like the quiet but all powerful one yep. which I really like yeah, also it, sh- it should be noted by the way this is entirely fictionalized totally I mean if, if you don't know much about this and you just recognize the names uh, you know that ain't Von Braun no <laughs> Uh, and I, I just want to make sure that's clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's totally. It's taking the idea of, of and this is, is this is kind of historical fiction, the kind of thing. And this is the kind of thing that I kind of also do love. Like I love the idea of taking, you know, similar to what Fraction did with Five Fists of Science years ago, and you know, everybody was obsessed with Tesla and that sort of thing. But taking an idea, you know, these are real people who existed, and then adding this fantastical fictional element to it um, that makes it just a blast to read because it's it's slightly based in reality, but it's not at the same time as well. Um, and it's our too is what i'm saying yeah. and he did not have a robot on yes exactly but um but yeah it was just it, just a blast to read and then furthermore i thought you know this issue further solidified that nick patara is not only perfect for this book but working on a level that i didn't even detect because what i think is nice about him is that you've seen a massive improvement from just the last miniseries yes yes absolutely and, I, and you know I, like, I don't want that to sound like the last one sucked it's just that he's, he's you know a young artist who's getting better which is great well and it's funny because you know he he in reading this first issue um you know you looked at you looked at his faces and the way he's you know drawing bodies and kind of you know the cartooning that was somewhat quietly reminiscent, um, you know, reminiscent of Frank Quietly as well, you know, some other kind of artist, and he's doing a lot of lines and wrinkles and things like that. And I thought, okay, that's his style. But then I get to this issue, and I see Richard Feynman, who's young and handsome, and his face is totally smooth and clean. And <laughs> and I realized that Pitar is paying a ton of attention and and visually representing the the experience and knowledge and weathering each character has in their physical uh, uh, appearance, which is awesome which is great which i didn't even pick up on you know i really liked his design of the robot arm yes like it had the like it just wasn't a very typical thing it had like those weird slender finger connectors that were just like wires and and uh it was it was just unique Uh, and we've seen a lot of robot arms in our time what what sets us apart i think this image this current image wave than than maybe past waves is that there's as much emphasis on art and story yes in the past maybe you know the the original image wave you could you could argue that there wasn't as much emphasis on story as there was on art, and then and later books came along. It, it probably wasn't as balanced as, as this. Every I, would, I wouldn't argue that with Rob Liefeld, but every big book that's come that's come along, at least for me, has been just as much of an art tour de force as a story tour de force. So I think that's really what this sets us one apart is that it's a complete package you're getting uh, with these books. And this book it looks as good as it reads. What's interesting to me was that the first issue was really focused on Oppenheimer. I mean, you really set Oppenheimer up as the main character, and whereas here he's pretty much shunted aside for, except for one small scene, so you really don't know who to follow, who the protagonist is, what the story's going to be. And, I like that. And that's, that's fun, you know, for a while. Eventually you're going to have to figure that out, but, uh, you know, for right now it's very inter- interesting and exciting. As Ron said, you, you basically have had two different protagonists now. You've had Oppenheimer in the first issue, issue and then uh, the new guy in the second issue, so you'll, it's interesting to see what he's building on here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and then now they're going to add this not this German scientist to the mix. Like where is it going? And mm-hmm. and what I like about it is it's still early on. Like you don't you if you missed the first issue and you can't track down a second printing or didn't read it digitally, you can pick up this issue and just kind of go with it, I think. Um, yeah. of course it helps to know the stuff about Oppenheimer and stuff like that, but like it's still accessible and it's still doing, you know, um, and it and it just it's like nothing I've it's nothing uh, like that it's like nothing on the stacks right now. It's like nothing on the shelves right now and that's what I love about it. Um, I do kind of wish the cover wasn't all black because it's just full of fingerprints now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, it, but it also doesn't actually tell you anything, which I think yeah. is any sense of what the issue is. From the I, yeah, it does. It doesn't just, at all. I, yeah. I just want to go ahead and tell you, that before was not a, a Liefeld dig. I literally just wouldn't want to argue him about that. Right, yeah, no, I, 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 I understood that, yeah. I, I know, but that, anybody yeah, paying yeah. attention at home, not digging on the man. Yep. He just yeah. he has more energy for it than me. Yep. So. <laughs> um, he will wear you down. That's, this is what I'm saying. Anyway, so um, I couldn't be more excited for the Manhattan Project. So if you haven't checked it out, I urge you to. If you like, you know, playing with history, if you like, um, you know, kind of warfare, if you like science, if you like Hitler. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, nobody it's likes his birthday Hitler. this weekend. <laughs> it is, but you know what I mean. Um, this, I mean, it, and it's so unique. And, and again, this is you know Jonathan Hickman really coming to his own with this creator own stuff. And I just can't. And the design was great. The two page, you know, the two page. I love his two page title card spreads. Um, 
it, it, yeah, just it's it's really really something to keep an eye on. So um, big fan of it. So Manhattan Project number two, check it out if you haven't yet. I think somewhere that Hitler's got a relative and it's really mad that they're not getting any royalties from his appearances and everything. I know. Well, you know, we've... he's like, I won't buy anything. They <laughs> use his they use his likeness in everything, and we do not get a dime. Well, he's probably got a great niece out there who's trying to explain to everybody that he's really not as bad as everyone thinks. <laughs> That's an uphill battle right there. Trying to clear his name. So uh, Avengers vs. X-Men Round 2, issue number two, came out. Uh, Connor, you've been the most uh, excited for this uh, series, so how is this How is this going for you so far? Well, one of the best things I think about comics is that you've got a really wide range of stories you can tell, and they can be told greatly. I think the Manhattan Project is a great issue, and I thought also the Avengers vs. X-Men so far has been great fun, and it's it's just different kinds of comics being told you know, in the same medium. Uh, which I think is is what's wonderful about comics, and and that I mean, yeah, and I and I totally do agree with you, and and just so everyone knows, in the in the AVX block, we're going to talk about Avengers vs X Men number two, Wolverine the X Men number nine, and Avengers twenty five, which all have the AVX banner, um, and I think that it's interesting in that you get, I felt as if you got three widely varying different kind of approaches, um, and. Avengers vs X Men number two, like I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna say event fatigue, and I'm not gonna whatever like that, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not feeling it. See, yeah. I, I, I think that you, I, I don't agree that they're different. I think the the tone in Avengers vs X Men, the tone in the Avengers were very similar in that yes. they were they were throwback to like an '80s style of comic writing. Yeah, which I enjoyed greatly because to me this harkens back to Secret Wars, that kind of thing. Well, that, and that that was my that was that was also my point. My part of my self realization is that like I bet you 15, 16 year old Ron totally loving this. Or thirty-two year old Ron. No, not even thirty-two. I mean, thir- but thir- 30, so- thirty something Ron. I just I, I feel like I read Avengers vs X Men two, and and I and comparing it to Wolverine vs uh, Wolverine the X Men number nine, which is they're both so both issues were written by Jason Aaron. The the difference in AVX number two is that the story was by Aaron Bendis, Brubaker, Hickman, and Fraction, as well as I'm sure uh, Axel and all the editors and all that's you know all that sort of stuff. You know, there's Alan Fine. There's one, two, three, four, <laughs> yes. fi- five editors involved in this. Do not discount Alan Fine. Yeah, and Alan Fine. Um, <laughs> and but the scripted by Jason Aaron, and and we all we're, we're huge fans of Jason Aaron. Um, but I just felt like Avengers vs X Men number two just felt it just felt contrived. And like, and I, I sat there, you know, I'm like, why are they fighting? And and the fact that like, there's actually a line where Spider-Man goes, Avengers, Avengers vs X-Men, this is actually happening. I was, it's like, it just seems too aware of itself, and it just seems almost too obvious. Whereas Wolverine and the X-Men number nine, I thought, talk about like, I got the most excited for this event just in those first two pages of Wolverine and the X-Men with the with the aliens gambling and, and betting on what planet the uh, Phoenix is going to destroy. Like and I got and I got super excited for this whole event just by reading it through Wolverine and the X Men, which I thought was u- different, you know, like, which was unique. So I don't know. I, I'm it's rough for me. Maybe I maybe I'm beyond, you know, like it's I don't know. Not that I'm beyond it because I do see the fun in it. I don't know. Come to me, it, to me, it touches on everything I did as a kid when I took all my action figures and dumped them on the floor and, yeah. and in the summertime and played with them. And that's really what the fun of this is. It touches that part of. He only played with his toys in the summer. Well, that's when you the didn't winter, have school, The so winter was eight, a dour time. You could play eight, you could play eight hours a day when you were a kid, but um, you know it really touches that part of you. And I think you know it's good, but it's got to be well done. And I think right yeah. now you've got a you've got a well done event book, which is a big summer action movie. Yeah, to me. yeah, no, and, and, and like I love Ramita. I thought it looked great. Um, I just I just thought the, I just thought the an issue of all just everybody fighting just seemed a little tedious and just see I don't know. I just I'm you know again it's that's, my but that's know. what it is. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. and 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 and. I am not. I'm not reading it because I know that's what it is, and I know I'm not the audience for it, and that's that's cool. Yeah, that's fine. On the other side, um, and tell me if I'm getting ahead of things, but uh, I picked up Avengers 25 because I wanted to see the Simonson. I haven't read Avengers in a really long time. Uh, I just I just had enough of it, and uh, I was a little like I was a little hesitant because I I don't I didn't want the AVX banner, but it's funny because it didn't really feel like it felt like a one shot. Well, this this of, this is the bridge between what I mean. Yeah. I mean, Bendis is still telling the story. The the Norman. This is the picking up the pieces of the Norman <laughs> Osborn story somewhat. Um, but so, uh, the thing that the thing that that Connor mentioned that that caught on immediately was from the look of the book to even the style. This didn't feel like a regular Bendis book. This felt like an '80s comic book uh, with the Avengers in it, and I had a hell of a good time with it. Yep. I I really enjoyed I enjoyed the art immensely. I thought that you know. These are the kind of layouts that I love to see in a, in a book like this. It was bombastic. It was, uh, you know, it was big. 
and, and it was uh, it was fun, and it, it was written in such a way that it wasn't taking itself way too seriously. My favorite part of this entire entire issue was there down in the training room, and then all of a sudden, in the, in like in one panel, uh, Spider Woman is just making out with Clint. Yeah. <laughs> for no, out of nowhere, yep. just full on like grabbing face and ass. Oh, so you guys are together now? Hmm? That's all. You know, just no See, reason. I think so that dramatic. works in this in this fa- in the book's favor and AVX's favor is that they're they're treating it like a big bombastic old smoke school Marvel story. Yeah. Um, and that, you know whether that's that's to your taste or not is up to everyone to decide. But I think that's I think this I think the choice as a choice I think it's a good one. I, I mean the AV, the way AVX was written. You know, it wasn't. Jason Aaron is really talented in that he wrote a completely different style yeah. than he wrote with every other book, and it was written in a very bombastic. Um, you call it Claremont, and you call it you know, Stan Lee esque, however you want to call it, but in a very bombastic old school Marvel style. And I think if that's where they're going to go with it, I think it's a good choice. Yeah, I have the aim, the aim, the, the sort of aim soldiers, the faceless aim soldiers were fantastic in this also. Like they're just like there's some there's something going on. Do you want to, like they're completely ineffectual. Yeah, they can't they can't do anything. They don't make decisions. They just they can barely see out of that thing. Yeah, but um uh, and going back to Wolverine and the X Men number nine. I mean it just uh, this book is just so special. Yeah, this book absolutely. is so good. I mean uh, Chris Pachalo on art, and this is kind of these are the moments leading up to AVX number one and number two, like where you know Captain America comes to talk to Wolverine, and then they leave to go you know to go to Utopia. Um, but also, but it's done in the in the point of view and the context of the school as it should be of, of Wolverine and the school. And you get you know this great little Toad moment, and you got you know everyone's kind of everybody else's reaction to the Phoenix threat. And I, I just like this book is just so good. It's just it's it's another case of defying the odds. Like I can't believe how good this book is and how it's existing without getting you know like not getting messed with yet. <laughs> it it fights with. Fantastic Four for me is the best Marvel book. Yeah, I mean they're they're both up equally. I think good. Um, and it, it's again completely different style than what everything else Jason Aaron writes. It's very very funny. I think it's cool that if you like Jason Aaron's work, you don't necessarily have to like everything he does because it's so varied. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, like it's it's one of those things. Like there's some writers that you have to read everything they do. Like with with Aaron, you can sort of pick and choose. Well, I like this. I like this flavor of Aaron. And not not this one. Well, and, and what what totally draws me to Wolverine the X Men, and which is no surprise or whatever, but it just it, it's got so much heart. Like yep. that's the thing. Like it, it's about it's about Wolverine protecting these kids, and it's about learning, and it's about like all this sort of stuff. And it's it's that it's that level of emotion that I've always liked about the X Men, and that has been really kind of absent for the past few years. Um, and so, and it's great that that even even with the banner, it's still keeping. Look, Michael Banner. Even with the banner, it's um it's still sticking. It's still sticking with that. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Jesus, I should I should have known better. I've yes. been watching it again. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't get old. It just gets better. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, AVX. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna stick with it because I you know because it's my you know it's 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 Marvel and it's it's all that sort of stuff. But it just you know looking at AVX number two or Manhattan Projects, I got more excited about Manhattan Projects. Uh, Batman number eight is the start of its not the, the start of its own crossover, the Night of the Owls, which also had Nightwing this week. Um, and for me, uh, this this might have been my favorite issue of Batman so far. Considering really? it, was, it was a very good issue. Yeah, you really felt the noose tightening and the walls closing in on on Batman and Alfred. And they did a great job of writing. You know, they, in this issue, the, the all the Talons were unleashed last issue. So in this issue, they attacked Wayne Manor's the whole army of Talons. And you know, even Batman's overwhelmed by all these Talons. And so they, yeah. it really is almost a locked room issue, even though it takes there are other scenes in it. In that, how you know. How, if you're trapped in the Wayne Manor, it's under siege. What what do you do? And if you really felt that sense of dread and and sort of claustrophobia from the way it was written. Yeah. In that it, you know they kept fighting at the smaller smaller rooms till finally they had to, they were had to take recourse in the uh, in the the, the armory yeah. and uh, it just it was really well constructed in that sense and that the the fight got smaller and smaller and smaller until you you sort of felt that as, as a reader. Yeah. And then the backup I thought was wonderful. The from, backup was uh, great. I thought Albuquerque. Oh, so good. It was, yeah, it was really gorgeous. Yeah. And apparently, what they're doing here is uh, in the back of issue. There's a two-page spread where Alfred contacts all of the Bat family for help, and you follow those little 
uh, panels into their other books. So like that, that's how the Nightwing books, you know, c- connects. Is that they hear he hears the call for help, and that's where that happens. So if you want to follow the stories, you can follow it through those. If not, you just continue to read with just the Batman book, which I think will be fine. Yeah, I love the I love the the bat flamethrower armor or whatever he's in, which is uh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I I gotta say the uh, the backup looked real good. Uh, not only Albuquerque but Fairbairn. I thought the colors were, were sort of really nice. Uh, in the first half of it, you know, like we've said a lot of really nice things about Capullo, but um, these issues are actually getting stronger as he keeps going. I feel like he's getting more comfortable with these characters in this world. Um, and if you were to look, if you were to go back and look at the first issue that he did, I think this is this is much stronger than that. Um, even just the first page, which is just a, it's a series of street shots. Basically mm-hmm. moving up, it's the it's basically the Watchman technique. Um, but I was like, I was just impressed. Yeah, I was just I was impressed by that. Speaking of the Watchmen, how, how great would it be if the Night of the Owls ends with a uh, Night Owl just going <laughs> appearing? And- <laughs> it was me. We don't, we don't I'm the Owl. <laughs> and then the uh, comic universe it folds uh, on itself, and uh, we all. You know what? Can was- I just say. I, w- I want to see that. That would be awesome. <laughs> I would. I would really love to see the the ripple effect from that bad boy. Oh, just everybody would go crazy. I love it. Oh, that would be a wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now I'm gonna say something that might be controversial, may not be controversial. But Justice League number eight, I thought was the best issue of the series, and I thought was was the first time I haven't had a really you know major complaint about the series. I thought this was an excellent starting point maybe this should have been the starting point of the series um but uh i thought this sort of knocks away a lot of the problems i had with it before and, and really moves it forward okay I, I probably was the only one reading it <laughs> no i read it I, I read it i don't know if i agree but yeah uh in this issue you, we're basically uh well the art is handled by it's it's carlos de Anda, which would be my only yes. my only complaint because he's, he's you know he's solid but although ivan reese does a, a segment in the back which is excellent and then the gary frank stuff is awesome of what, course. And what about? Uh, but no. But it says so it says, so says Carlos Anda with Ivan Reese and Joe Prado and guest artist Gabe Edelub with Alex and Claire. So like you, it's an art. There's a whole bunch of art going on. No, um, no, those are the colorists. Are those the, the colorists? The, the names are above the titles. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're right. Guest artists. Those are the colorists. Okay. Anyway, um, the Ivan Reese stuff stood out. Like the 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 changeover to that was like I would read an Ivan Reese Justice League book in a second. Yeah. That that two page spread of the Justice League fighting Martian Manhunter was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, but yeah, the Carlos Anda stuff was was not that. Good. It was okay. That would be my only thing holding it back from being a, an ex- really excellent book. It was it was Workman. You know, it did, it did its job. Yeah. But uh, I thought it did a good job of establishing the team now, better than the last couple of issues. I thought it did a good job of setting up a mystery, in that they tried to recruit Martian Manhunter. It didn't take. He's still in the background. He thinks you know he he knows something's coming. They need to address, but they're not ready for it. Yeah. And, and again, it brings in the Green Green Arrow. Um, and I thought it did a really good job of, sort of establishing all the characters. In, in the new world better than they've done in the past. Yeah, yeah, and I can see that. I, and honestly, I really, really, really like the Shazam backup. And the Shazam backup is wonderful. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I know good. everyone's complaining, but the whole, I mean, this seems to be the patented Jeff Johns technique of bringing a character in in a way you don't, you don't, you don't like or, or yeah. recognize, and then by the end of the story, he'll be the character you recognize. So yeah. I think, you know, it's going to be a lesson for Billy Batson in, in how to become a good man or a good kid or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, exactly. gorgeous. Just really well done backup yeah. story. Excellent. Cool. So uh, con season is upon us, and if you are in the Midwest, you better be planning on going to the Summit City Comic Con uh, on May 12th in Fort Wayne, Indiana at the Grand, at the Grand Wayne Center. Uh, I don't believe Bruce Wayne owns the Grand Wayne Center, but um, there you go. Batman, tie-in, Wayne, Bruce Wayne. Well, I'm just impressed you were able to say Grand Wayne, Grand Wayne and not Gwen Wayne. Gwen Wayne. So. The Gwen Wayne Central. <laughs> so uh, Summit City Comic Con is a great, uh, is a great uh, smaller show, but totally focused on creators and comics focus. No other stuff. It's just pure comics. If you love comics, you definitely want to hit it. Um, they've got over 100 creators appearing, including Jeff Darrow, Gabe Hardman, Mike Norton, Tom Scioli, Robert Atkins, Hilary Barda, and Katie Cook. It's just 10 bucks to get in. That's it. It's $10. Uh, kids 12 and under get in for free. So if you, you bring the kids, get a sketch from Kitty Cook. They'll love it. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's They will. Uh, it'll be a great time for everybody, for the whole family. So if you're looking for something to do on May 12th, go to the Summit City Comic Con. You can get full details, directions, ticket information, all, full guest list, everything else, all at their website at summitcitycomiccon.com. That's summitcitycomiccon.com. And we hope they all have a good time come this May. Excellent. So uh, Rocketeer Adventures 2, number 2, came out. 
Um, and it, it was funny because it's like we, we were, I think when the when the first issue came out, we were saying how you know should they really have done another anthology and is it really you know kind of delivering whatever. But um, I love this issue. I, I I I didn't I didn't get this one not because yeah. I didn't want to it was just a yep. snafu yeah but who who so you got so the first story was a story by Tom Taylor with art by Colin Wilson which if you're not familiar with Colin Wilson's work really really good really strong um, a, a very emotional uh, World War II story a Rocketeer during World War II um, which was which was really good at a great at a great little moment towards the end um, then you get a fun fun. Um, uh, Cliff being jealous of Betty acting story uh, by Paul Dini with art by Bill Morrison, um, mm-hmm. and so really you know like you know she's she's got a she's got a role in a serial and there's a handsome leading man and Cliff's jealous and you know that kind of story, um, and then the last story is written by Walt Simonson and uh, with art by John Paul Leon. And it's a great um, Hollywood-esque story where a Rocketeer, some shenanigans going on. Rocketeer ends up saving a um, an actress, and it turns out to be Judy Garland. And you know, very, very, you know, reminder of the Rocketeer in that '30s, you know, LA kind of uh, wonderful kind of Hollywood, you know, kind of world. Um, just reminds me. I don't know what it is, but I just love the Rocketeer. I love it. So, and a great Darwin Cook cover. So, I think he's all of them, isn't he? Yeah, that's that was a smart move. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm loving the Thunderbolts uh, 15 year celebration with the and playing uh, bringing in the original Thunderbolts team. I liked when they just decided to start having a party and drinking together almost immediately. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Hey, what's going on? Like everything about the space time continuum and everything yep. that's weird about it went away with a turn of a page. Yep, exactly. <laughs> they just had a part. And it's funny because this this reminded me, and going back to what I was earlier saying about new ideas, like I fifteen years ago, I loved the Thunderbolts. Yeah. I loved it. It was a new idea. It was great. It was fun. It's so special. And like to be revisiting it and kind of recelebrating it and, and have it still be just as strong fifteen years later, I think is great. This is like such a, a under the radar kind of legacy that I'm glad that they're celebrating. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I think the last you know for a while all the stuff that Jeff Parker's been doing on here has felt very fresh and very fun, and he's really been skirting that sort of high adventure superhero comic and then just a bit of a, a tongue in cheek wink of how it's a little silly. Yep. At the same time, and and they've just been super fun issues. Yeah, uh, and it just reminds it reminds me how much I miss um, uh, Zima. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zima was great. It was such a great that Citizen V. The whole oh, the whole setup was fantastic. So, <laughs> but and the thing is, the thing is that it's not just a nostalgia trip. I like the current team too. Oh yeah, and yeah. I, and I like the challenges and the questions that are coming of it. I think it's I think it's a really great direction, and it, and just in time for it to all get ruined. Yeah, it, well, it's interesting <laughs> that, that it changed too. Like in terms of like the team changed at first. Yep. It was a Luke Cage book, you know, and now it, now it's not that, and it's it survived all those things. Yes, yeah, yeah, totally. So. Um, Yep. So and, and shocking and shocking ending. So we're talking about time <gasps> travel. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so did you guys check out the six gun number twenty? Always. Yeah. Always. I I don't know if the six gun needs to do a GI Joe tribute. I was probably a third of the way through it before I was like, "Hey, silent issue." It's not a GI Joe tribute. It's it is. Look at the cover and look at the inside cover. Look at the. Oh, inside. I guess you're right. You're okay. The, okay. Says, I with, just, respect, I just, with respect you know, to Larry Hama, Steve Leahola, George Russo, okay. and Klaus Janssen, it's totally a tribute. Did somebody get rescued? Yes. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a G.I. Joe tribute. That's yeah. the story. No, it was. Yeah, you're right. Well, at first I just thought it was a silent issue, and my point was that not all silent issues are necessarily, but you're right about the cover. That is No, the, the, the cover and the whole issue was a, was a tribute to the G.I. Joe issue. Is it the same, like, it, of, like the layouts? No, I, I don't think, I, I, I don't, I actually haven't read that issue in years, but I don't think it's uh, exactly the same to the note, but, um, uh, yeah. I gotta say that one of the things that, I, I, I totally dug this. This was a really fun uh, silent issue, I thought. But one of the things that was really cool was when they got outside and they basically there's an architecture to this compound that they're in. Oh, and, it is G.I. Joe. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and like there's all these like br- buildings up on stilts and all these bridges in between them and, and the action sequences were just really, really well choreographed and the yeah. sort of setup of the whole place was consistent and, and fun and I was just like, that's a lot of work is, yeah. is what I kind of realized and, and the, story I really t- the storytelling it. was tight. I, I loved there so there there so basically it's the what's her name? The woman um, Becky. Becky is is uh, rescuing Drake who's been captured and I love that he's he's hanging upside down shirtless with a cage around his head and they're putting crab like these weird crab monsters in the cage with yeah. <laughs> and then he, he she lets him free and then he just puts all the five guns in his belt. 
just like I, I love the I love the mythology of the six guns, and I love like the you know there was a whole bunch of mud golems, and just like I love it. it just it, yeah, it's it's he's it's, got four guns. Four she guns. She has yeah. one. So yeah. one of them is somewhere else. I don't remember where. Yeah. But um, yeah, the storytelling this was really sound. No, no problem. Did I not understand what was going on? It was a great action sequence. You got a Gatling gun, which is always fun. Um, so yeah, it was it was good. It was, but I, I just I was like, do you really know to go this far? Like when I saw the cover, I was like, really? It's <laughs> you know, it's long enough ago. It's long ago enough now that it, yeah. that only people like you are going to know that, uh, which is everybody. Yeah, in yeah it's a pretty famous Joe cover. Yeah, no, I so, I know, but yeah. it's that's like that's like when did that come out? You know. Early 25 years ago 83 84 yeah almost 30 years ago yeah it's okay so um real quickly profit number 24 continues to be one of the best at least in my my mind best you know exciting you know things that this is like we mentioned earlier it's it's a great story and great art it's it's it is well and and completely unpredictable completely unpredictable and and my two thoughts on this was first off uh this issue it's not drawn by simon roy who was the starting artist on profit but this is drawn by uh farrell dalrymple who i i'm a huge fan of um and he actually collaborated with brandon graham on the story as well so that's pretty cool um so the art is just great it's great to see dalrymple like have a lot of fun with this kind of with this kind of material but then reading this i realized like this is scratching that jodorowsky-esque itch like the same reason why i like the inkle and like and like that those mm-hmm. wild kind of crazy stuff i'm not saying it's like and i'm not i'm not bringing mobius into the picture at all or whatever but it, but and i'm not saying it's like the inkle or anything like that but it's that like out there, completely foreign. Don't know, like you said, don't know what to expect. Kind of story that I just, I, I love. I love it. Yeah, in this uh, issue, we, we find the new guy to follow, who is the same as the old guy, but has a, this one has a tail. Yes, and and then he meets his. Uh, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre in the best possible way. Yep, exactly. Uh, in that, in that, I, I, what is it, what is profit about? I don't know. Yeah, I, but, well, I just, but but it's awesome. I don't care. Now, conversely, <laughs> if you were to ask me what Batman Odyssey well, is about. <laughs> I don't know, and I don't care either. But uh, issue seven and the last issue of Neil Neil Adams is uh, Odyssey, so to speak, um, and it was just <laughs> did it wrap it up in a nice tight little bow that made it all make sense? Ridiculous, ridiculous. Basically, <laughs> basically, it all culminates in a a fight between Batman and Ra's al Ghul's son, who doesn't have the whatever the Lazarus Pit formula, so he's old and he's become the sensei figure. And Batman and him fighting while all of Batman's rogue galleries are in cells watching. And Batman takes his cape off and finally says, "This is it. I've had it. No, no more new rules in my city. No more." And he asks Robin to hand him his gun. And while all the villains are watching and they're going, no, he can't. He's not going to. No. Batman shoots the sensei in the back and his chest explodes with blood. And Batman yells and all the villains get the Joker and Two-Face and they all get – the Scarecrow gets horrified. They're all afraid. And Batman yells at them and goes, that's it. If you kill anyone, I will track you down and kill you dead. You saw what happened. Be warned. Jesus. And then, and you're like, Jesus, oh my God. And then it fast forwards, and remember how each issue started with Batman telling somebody what was happening? Yeah. Turns out he was telling Clark Kent. And turns out the sensei was in on the trick, and he had squibs, and he didn't shoot them. (laughs) It was blanks, and it was a whole big ruse. (laughs) And now Clark Kent is going to go write the story. Oh my God. But that said, the last panel was Neil Adams drawing Superman flying out of the Batcave, which was Ooh, pretty that's cool. Nice. Which was pretty cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> just, it was did he have a red briefs? Yes. Okay. It was just it was ridiculous. It was so ridiculous. It was fantastic. Connor, you need to go find this issue just to see the the, the pages, the two page spreads. I think you, I yeah. need to. I'll yeah. go look through it the next time I go to the yeah. store. Oh, by the way, he is in red briefs, but they're severely shadowed. Yeah. Look at that! See? But he's got the yellow belt, so yeah. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I do love the crazy. You do. That's uh, that's what we thought of the books from the week. We're not done. We want to talk a little bit about what you thought, the iFanboy community. So let's go through the top five picks of the week as chosen by the uh, the users of iFanboy.com. And keep in mind that these might may change by the time that you hear oh, them. Yeah. It's, been, it's, been, it's been changing by the minute, by the way. Yeah. yeah. They're still close in the middle. Yeah. The yeah. Number- yeah. And of course, we all know who number one is going to be because it came out this week. But we'll get there. Uncanny X-Force number 24 with 2.2%. 
Uh, Nightwing number eight with 2.6% comes in in fourth. Wonder Woman number eight, um, 3% of you chose his pick of the week. Manhattan Project's number two with 11.1% uh, is the second choice to go with Ron's choice. And Batman number eight with 66.5% because Scott Snyder's issues of Batman have never done less than 60%, I don't <laughs> think, ever. He's amazing. Uh, Connor, tell us about what LeBon thinks of Supergirl. LeBon reviewed Supergirl number eight and gave a story of five out of five and the art of four out of five and 0.2% of you made this your pick of the week. And LeBon says, I will admit the majority of the New 52 have not been meeting, let alone exceeding my expectation, but Kara is still in my heart. I enjoyed the feel of classic superhero title artwork that, that George Perez brought to the table, but not quite as much as the previous seven issues worth of art. So the art only gets a four. The story, however, gets a five and hopefully will stay there for many issues to come. For the top of my pile, hopefully into yours, give Kara a chance and try Supergirl if you haven't yet. Uh, George Perez was the guest artist in this issue, and I didn't get what? it because my store got sh- got um, shorted a bunch of books, and so I didn't get sh- a bunch of books, including Supergirl. But Mahmoud's still the Mahmoud Asrar is still the regular artist, right? I believe yes. so. Yeah. 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 And, and, and what this re- review basically just said was Mahmoud Asrar is, is better than George Perez, <laughs> which is which <laughs> I, I can get behind that. <laughs> it's, it's just different, completely different styles. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, Mockwood's great. I love seeing this stuff. So cool. Uh, the I, got, fifth... I, got to, I got to the store and I was like, they couldn't have sold out. I mean, it's only been an hour. <laughs> and it's Supergirl. Yeah. I was like, I really? Mean, Supergirl sold there, out? Was there a run on Supergirl? Supergirl, <laughs> Captain Adam, and a couple other books? It seems unlikely, but all right. That's what all happened. Right. Didn't sell out. Uh, Akamu reviewed Uncanny X-Force number 24 giving the story a 5 out of 5 in the already 5 out of 5 pick of the week percentage is 1.6% which has changed actually since I've been up on the page oh yeah it has Jeez, uh, so, or maybe 2.2% and he says I don't remember when I've been as grateful to see an artist back on a title as I am to see Noto as in Phil on Uncanny X-Force his page 2 alone was worth the price of this book as great as Noto's art is Remender's la- use of uh, AOA or Age of Apocalypse Iceman is brilliant. I'd love to see 616 Iceman use his powers in this fashion. I'm thrilled that this book seems to be back at the level it was for the first few story arcs and that they're tying it to the other X books. I, I, Phil Noto, we, we rave about in the weekly sketch up all the time, but Phil Noto colored by Dean White, it's, it, it's it, with the slight style variation, this doesn't mm-hmm. look like your average Phil Noto. And it's it, actually yeah, the I, best sequential yeah. Phil Noto I've seen. Yes, agreed. I think ever. Yep. Yeah. So I haven't loved his sequential work before. He, he does great pinups, yep. which we talk about all the time on iFanboy in this weekly SketchUp feature. But uh, in terms of storytelling, this was great. And then the panel to panel stuff was wonderful. I thought yep. this was great. Yeah, it was excellent. It was fantastic. Um, love it. That's great. Cool. So go to ifanboy.com slash comics where you can uh, do your pull list and write your books and write your reviews and get one on the show. Um, all right. So before we get to your email and voicemail, we're going to talk about the uh, the April book of the month. Um, delayed by a couple of weeks, but we made it. We made it by tax time. Um, and <laughs> this book of the month. Delayed this, this year by a couple of days. Yeah. So um, This, this uh, month's book of the month for me was X-Men Season 1, uh, written by Dennis Hopeless with art by Jamie McKelvey. And uh, this is part of Marvel's Season 1 initiative where they are doing um, uh, single graphic novels, uh, doing modern retellings of the origins of their classic characters. And for some, there's something about that topic that makes comic fans groan. Because they uh, – this is a whole other topic, but yeah. comics did this all the time. Yes. They used to every few years retell the origin in a new context. Yep. But the problem is – at some point, comic readers stopped leaving comics and just stayed forever, and they, they now they freak out whenever there's retelling the origin, yeah. which is what comics have always done. Now, because they used to change the audience over, so they'd have to retell the origin for the new audience. Right, yeah, exactly. So as far as I'm concerned, X-Men Season 1, and, and the thing was is that you've seen widely varying um, results with these Season 1 books. Yes, Fantastic yes. Four and Daredevil and Spider-Man, stuff like that. They've all, you know, like whatever. Spider-Man hasn't come out yet. But yeah. Spider-Man hasn't come out, correct. But the other ones that have come out, and... If you ask me, X-Men Season 1 has been the best one yet. Far bo- away. Both not only in execution, and it's no, no surprise that I'm a huge Jamie McKelvey fan, and, and Jamie McKelvey drawing my favorite characters is like slam dunk. <laughs> but um, I th- honestly, I think Dennis Hopeless with the story did the best, and, and McKelvey along with the art, did the best job of being able to tell an X-Men story that I can hand to a new reader and say, this is the X-Men, and at the same time satisfy the enjoyment of me as a classic X-Men fan. Um, to feel like they're being done in the right way, 
Yeah. And that's a and that's a delicate balance to make. That's a delicate balance. Um, it's also somewhat ballsy to do an X Men book these days and not shoehorn in Wolverine somehow. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and so I love the fact that it's a classic team. It's the classic original five team, and and, and I, I love that they didn't try to you know modernize it in any way beyond that. It was just the classic guys in the modern day, which I thought was wonderful. Yeah. And you know the whole the, the the book opens with the with Jean Grey joining the team, and you see a lot of uh, the the majority of the book is is told through Jean Grey's eyes as she's the last member of the original five to join. Um, it plays with time a lot. We get a lot of flashbacks, flash forwards, and flashbacks. It's ma- the main conflict is around the emergence of Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and how the X Men are dealing with them, and the complicated relationship between Magneto and Xavier. Um, you also get little glimpses of each of the individual X-Men and get an idea of where they're coming from, um, uh, kind of their origins in, in and of itself. You lay the groundwork for the effect that Jean has on the team. They're teenagers, and so all the boys go gaga over her, and then you get Warren flirting with her and Cyclops liking her from afar, and then the development of her and Cyclops' relationship. Um, you get varying maturity uh, lessons and, and levels from the different characters. Iceman is the youngest and the, the most immature, and he does a lot of maturing within this story alone. Um, but what was great was I thought what Dennis Hopeless did was he added in the story, he was able to mix in um, the classic kind of origin telling and the classic key things you need to hit, but then also with little nods to the original Kirby and Lee run, like having them face off against uh, Eunice the Untouchable, which is an old character they don't use that much anymore now. Um, there was a whole X-Men, X-Men number 18 was Iceman versus Magneto alone, where the whole team was defeated and Iceman was uh, fighting Magneto in the mansion. And they basically nodded to that through you know a couple pages. But as an X-Men fan, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. So, and like that's just such a great way to win a fan like me over. Um, but then by being able to tell this in a modern, realistic way, like I think this could be the bridge book for a whole new generation of X-Men fans. I, without a doubt, you hand this book to anybody and they know what the X-Men are. And it's done in a dynamic, relatable kind of way. Especially um, any, anybody who's young now. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it, and it sounds lame to be like, well, they're, in, they're now, they're wearing modern clothes, they've got iPhones. But really that's, I mean, the hardest thing to do to grab a kid for most, for the majority of kids, and obviously this isn't for every, go for everybody, but is to hand them a Lee Kirby book and say, yeah. here, enjoy, teenager. And it's tough. I mean, some will, yeah. but not most won't. For- Further than that, you know, a, a lot of modern artists don't draw kids very well, or yes. what they're wearing, or the world that they're in. And they don't, the seem, they don't seem real, which they do here. Yeah, I mean, like, and I, I mean, I've read stuff recently, like, like stuff that, that's come out in the last year where they have people wearing clothes that n- nobody would wear. Uh, uh, you know, really like bad eight-button suits. You know, yeah. things like Arsenio Hall's suit. Uh, you know, but in this, that's <laughs> what it was. And, you know, there's a recent comic, yeah. but in this, like, you know. McKelvey is going to know how to make people look like they look. Well, and he ma- and he made them look like teenagers. It was completely believable yeah. in every scene that these are teenagers. Um, I I, uh, I haven't gotten all the way through this. I've read the first chapter or so of it, yeah. but um, what I I thought that uh, McKelvey actually made a lot of strides in his art. Yeah. Um, I've I've read you know all of his uh, his indie stuff, and I've read bits of his Marvel stuff here and there, but I thought it was really strong. I thought it was a lot stronger than some of the stuff. Uh, the the last thing I read was the Secret of Avengers issue, which was which was excellent. That was yeah. the best I'd ever seen. Yeah. But uh, this was along those lines. I thought. Yeah, it, it was great. It was it was so great to see, and I'm so glad that of all the season one books, that the X Men one was the, is the best one. So yay! <laughs> so yeah, so uh, go to ifanboy.com, read my full all those list. strides you made at the beginning of the show. You just totally undermined them. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. It's, just, it's very hard to be me. Uh, I want new things. Now let's let's talk about a, compl- a revamp of something I'm so familiar with <laughs> that. And I don't even need to read it. I appreciate the irony. <laughs> <laughs> so um, go to ifanboy.com, read the full uh, my full review of it, and go check out X-Men uh, Season 1. I was going to say X-Men First Class. Go check was, out X-Men was, Season 1. <laughs> that was a class in really gracefully taking ridicule. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've got to say, because, you know, you can argue with that. That's X-Men First Class was also a really good book by Jeff Parker. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was great. Doing something very similar as well, too. Yep. So, yeah. Cool. So on to uh, – we're going to skip emails this week because uh, we were talking about the book of the month and we got a packed show. But on to the voicemails. And our first voicemail is uh, about uh, something about a movie coming out soon. What's going on, fellas? Sean from New York over here. Just wondering if you're excited about the Avengers movie because I started off very apprehensive with um, Thor wearing a lot of eye makeup in the early trailers. Now it's looking pretty sweet. So just curious what you thought because I had the same experience with Green Lantern. Later trailers are better and better. And it was horrible. Also, what's with Captain America? I really didn't like that movie, but everyone else seemed to. Hmm. Who knows? Have a good one, fellas. 
Green Lantern went through that that some of that arc where we were apprehensive and then we were, then we talked ourselves into it as the trailers came out and then it blew up in our faces. But I think the difference here is that I've never been apprehensive. No, but no, I'm not apprehensive either. But the difference here is that there's no bad buzz on this movie, whereas I heard a lot of bad buzz for Green Lantern going yeah. into it. But I was I was hoping it was wrong. Well, well, yeah, we're at a point. Where, well, first off, I mean, in terms of excitement, I'm excited. I mean, oh, I'm really yeah, excited. Yeah, by, the time, yeah. by the time you hear this, I've I'll have seen the movie. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I was gonna get that, but I was gonna say <laughs> so. So the movie's premiered. We we've spoken to several folks who have seen it. A lot of actually, a lot of the comic creators uh, that were in the LA area got to go to the big LA premiere, and um, some other premieres have happened. And I've not heard a bad thing from anyone, from people who I trust. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, I've heard yeah. things from people who I don't know are anonymous, but uh, people I actually know, I've met, uh, you know, who, whose, yeah. whose opinions I, th- I think are interesting, have all said it's been really great. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. This is, you know, it's funny because I'm looking forward to The Dark Knight Rises too, but in a, in a different way because I know what I'm getting with that movie, whereas I have no idea what I'm getting with Avengers. Yeah. So in and, that way, it's more, it's somewhat slightly more exciting. And the, and the big thing, the big thing about Avengers, if you ask me, is that it's it's I mean it's Whedon, it's the Whedon X Factor, which is you know not only with him directing but him writing. Um, and being such a fan of his work on Buffy and Firefly and all that sort of stuff, it's just like it's. From what I've heard, is that like it, it's real easy to put Iron Man and Thor and Captain America and have a big fight scene, and like anybody can direct that, and that will look good. But it's the scenes that bring those together, like the the person, like the the character scenes that uh, Whedon, I think, is the right touch for it, and that's why I'm so excited for it. So, I you know, it's funny thing is I wasn't that excited. Like I was like, okay, it'll be fine. But uh, you know, it, it's funny because this is getting treated like. And it, it probably, you know, rightfully so. Like this is the the biggest thing that's ever happened to comic book movies, and I, I guess it kind of is because this is the thing that you know they thought it would never happen, and then they finally, you know, they're pulling it off. But uh, I don't know if I just have been conditioned to not really uh, appreciate that. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the Lincoln movie, but that's a whole other thing. The vampire, but, the vampire hunter. No, Steven Spielberg directed Lincoln, starring Daniel Day Lewis as Lincoln. The vampire hunter. No, not the fucking vampire. Just oh. that movie looks good, actually. The Vampire Hunter movie. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, the the point being, like, I was like, I'll go see it, and it's fun. But the things that I have heard from actual people who I who I I guess respect and and who wouldn't be saying it if it wasn't true, they're not just getting they're not just getting wrapped up in what would be uh, you hype. know fanboy hype, basically. Yep. Like yep. I'm just all I want to see is Iron Man standing with Thor, like. Yeah. If that's what you're looking forward to, that's easy to solve. But to actually say it's good, which is what I'm hearing, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so I am looking forward to it. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go to the like a midnight show. I've been to a midnight show in forever. Yeah. I, so I, I have to. So Connor's seeing it this weekend because um, he's in LA and he's lucky. I'm actually seeing it next week. Um, but I also got tickets to the midnight show because I want to see it with my com- with my friends. You right? guys yeah. know it's two and a half hours. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Just so you know. I well, wait. I get to sleep in. <laughs> Yeah. So. Uh, oh, I'm gonna go see an opening night with my friends too, but yeah. I, I'm not doing midnight. I did midnight for Hunger Games. That was a disaster. Yeah, you 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 wasted a chip there. Not that Hunger Games was bad, but you no, the, the movie was fine. But yeah. the next day I was wrecked. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not, yeah, not no. as young as we used to be. No, I had to get up for work. In the past, I would just be able to sleep in. This time, I had to wake up or three hours after I went to bed. Um, I other little question came up about Captain America. It was awesome. Uh, Captain America it. was two thirds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but I rewatched it about about three weeks ago. I enjoyed it just as much. Yeah, I would say it was three fourths fantastic. Okay, I just yeah. I didn't like the end, but besides well, that, well, yeah, can you can you just land the can you can you parachute out? No, I gotta crash it. <laughs> well, I, I gotta really, I gotta take this plane down. <laughs> the thing is, you're in the middle of nowhere, and you're a super soldier, so you got uh, <laughs> no. I'm gonna, I'll, I, give, I, I I'll give that sure animation that, that anima- the how it should have ended animation credit. They nailed that. That was. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Lots of options. Yes. On to our next question, a question that we've never talked about. Hi, fanboy. This is Matt from Minnesota. I've been listening since the TIE Fighter fell. And one of the few topics that you have not ever discussed is subscriptions. It's about the only way that I read comics, and I'd really like to understand your perspective on people that subscribe to comics and and how that works and why more people don't actually get them delivered right to their door. I think so, guys. I feel like there is uh, there's a mindset in comics which because the the community is so uh, tight-knit and small that that the way that you get comics is you go to the comic store and you buy them because there's nowhere else to get them. And, or you get them digitally if you want to do that. But other than that, nobody even thinks to do subscriptions well, anymore. Well, Honestly, I don't. I didn't know that there were still subscriptions. Well, that's that's the thing. They're not. I mean, like uh, Marvel got rid of their subscription thing years ago, 
And DC was the last holdout. As far as I know, the only publisher that still no made Marvel does it. People on our website talk about it all the time. Really? Does Marvel still yeah. do it? No. Yes. 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 I think really? you've got to you've got to like search it out. Like because yeah. it used to just be every issue had an ad in it. And, yeah. and when I was a kid, I used I did to that. love that ad. That ad was yeah. that ad was like my checklist. Yeah, and you yeah. and you could check it, and like it'd be like, well, like eight bucks. That's a good deal for a year. Yeah. Well, well, you know? well, I know, I know. Currently, Archie still has an active subscription service where they'll mail you the stuff, and that you know. But I didn't know Marvel does. I gotta look into that. Well, the, then the other side of it being that you know, even for people who are not into collecting, yeah, uh, there is still the mentality that if it goes to the mail, it's gonna get banged up, and it is. Well, what do but, you know? What do you know? Subscription subscriptions.marvel.com. Yeah, there it is. You yeah. know what? I can see that as being an option. Well, the, the thing is, is the, well, what, I don't what, know when what, you get them. What I was going to no, say, you, you, we, we can do it because we have to get the books on Wednesday. Right. They, they, they come randomly. Yeah, what I, what, who, yeah. What I was going to say was that there, there is, um, there's a mindset of the going to the comic shop on Wednesday and being able to talk to all your friends and and you know like and if you're worried about that, then you've got to go to the shop. Um, but I thought I thought Marvel didn't do this anymore. I know DC doesn't do it anymore. And I was going to say, folks like the the great folks at uh, Discount Comic Book Service. That's and and there are other mail order kind of services that will mail you your comics, and you can pick whether you want to get a, a a box a month or every two weeks or whatever whatever frequency you want. But it is a viable option to get your comics that way, just not from the publishers directly. But I had no idea Marvel still did it. So you can get the, you can get twelve issues of the Amazing Spider Man for. Twenty six ninety seven. That savings up to forty eight percent. They're discounted pretty well. Yeah, I had no idea. But what about all the double shipping? Well, the twenty seven issues, twenty four issues of Spider Man, that only lasts you, or twelve issues of Spider Man only lasts you four weeks. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, my car. I've already got Wolverine and Amazing Spider Man in my cart. I didn't. I've never That's how they know. I've never been on this page before ever. So. I th- oh, I Josh, thought- Josh, didn't you have subscriptions at one point in your life? Yeah, when I was a kid, I, I did it. I lo- I liked that page, and I and I if, even back then I was pretty economically minded. I was like, well, look, I could if I just get Thor like this. I remember I, I described a Thor, and I think Wolverine, um, and they just came Ooh. to the you know they came in a little plastic bag in the mail, and and they were kind of banged up. I went to the shop the other day, and I'd asked for I was like, I don't see Hellblazer out there, and he was like, oh yeah, ours were damaged. I was like, well, let me see what that means. And it was like a little crease in the cover. I was like, I don't give a shit about this. Give me yeah. the book. Yeah, I decided, you know? I've had that before. They have on the Marvel subscription site, they have a way to pick a comic. So mm-hmm. age range, kids or young adult. That's it. Okay. And then, and then, so familiarity of comics. New reader, former reader, longtime reader. Character family, the various character families. They've got and, somebody on staff who, and, you know, like who deals with this show, their job. Show me the books that are... Marvel staff picks funny, gritty, traditional, or team comics. It's so weird. <laughs> anyway, so all right, cool, interesting. So yeah, I guess that's a way to do it. I mean, there's I would, nothing wrong with it either. I mean, it, it, it's just another just another way to get comics. If you want, if you don't care about getting your comics when everyone else or most everyone else does, and if you want to save a lot of money, that's certainly a good way to do it. Yeah, uh, we couldn't do it as long as we're doing this, but uh, you know, other people certainly can. Yeah. Cool. So if you have any questions, you can call us on our voicemail line at one, on our voicemail line at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Or you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com, Send an email uh, and get your question answered on the show. Um, all right. Cool. So if this isn't enough comic book fun for you uh, on Monday, we have another podcast called iFanboy Don't Miss, which is where we talk to a creator about an upcoming comic book that's coming out this Wednesday that you absolutely can't miss when you go to the shop or when you do your subscriptions. Um, this week, our buddy Chris Neesman is talking to writer Cullen Bunn, who embarks on his run on Wolverine, Wolverine number 305, and stars this Wednesday as Jason Aaron has ended his run and Cullen Bunn takes the reins. So here, Chris talked to Cullen about what he's, what he's got lined up for, um, for Wolverine. Cool. Uh, you can also listen to the Make Comics podcast, which I do normally with Andy Schmidt. But for the last couple of weeks, I've had some guests. Uh, I had uh, other comics experience uh, uh, instructors. Uh, we talked with uh, Robert Atkins uh, about um, his about, diet. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I couldn't eat anything that I wanted. It was awful during the whole show. No, about what an artist should have in their portfolio and what that you know means and 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 uh, how important that is and then this week i spoke with uh chris sotomayor a colorist uh you've seen him color a lot of marvel books um about becoming a colorist what that takes what that means uh what's behind it uh two you know more really interesting conversations um and then uh a week ago i even did a sort of longer one with uh, a couple of artists so you should check those out next week we'll be back with another show i don't know what it's about yet so there it is. Every usually Wednesday morning, when it was a little late this week uh, because of outside circumstances. I'm not going to make excuses. Yeah, no need to. <laughs> cool. um, 
Yeah. All right. And you can find that as well as Don't Miss, as well as the Book of the Month review, my Pick of the Week review, and all the other great comic book stuff all at ifanboy.com. Go there. You can get the in-depth uh, discussion that's happening daily. Um, great written posts by the whole iFanboy staff of writers. Um, and you can follow everybody. Go to ifanboy.com slash about to see that full staff and get their social network links and follow us uh, around the world. Uh, if you want to stay in touch with iFanboy, follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash ifanboy or on facebook.com slash ifanboy. Uh, if you want to email us, you can write to contact at iFanboy or leave a voicemail at, at uh, 88fanboys, which is 326-697. With any questions, comments, or concerns, if you're leaving a voicemail, make sure uh, you know we got to play it on the air, so don't, don't go, go on forever. Dudes today, those were some good emails. They were both 29 Voice, seconds. Voicemails. Voicemails. That's yeah. what I meant, voicemails. Yep. There were no good emails today. There we were some good emails, them. but yeah, but anyway. Well, we'll read those later. Yeah, yeah but uh, <laughs> that's that's how you get it done. Make a, make sure you you let us know uh, who you are, what your name is, and where you're from. Also, um, and the, other than that, have fun. And finally, if you enjoy the show, please consider going to iTunes and writing a review for this show, for our other podcasts, for any podcast you listen to. It's a great way to help people find shows that you think are good and you want to get more more bigger audience to help them keep going. Then the best way to do that is to write a review on iTunes. It doesn't cost you anything. It only takes a few moments, so please do that for all, all podcasts everywhere. Except all of them. For, except for Josh's podcast. Yes, never, yeah. I don't, do, I have a, do I even have a podcast? <laughs> I appeared on, on Paul's podcast. You were on, you were on Fuzzy Typewriter. If you want to hear Josh talk about Justified. Justified. Go write a nice review of that. So. Yes. All right, cool. Well, that was a great week of comics. Um, I can't wait for next week. Uh, until then, I am Ron. I'm Connor. I could probably wait for next week. I got some stuff. Sometimes to do. I don't. I don't know what comes out of my mouth. Yeah, you just. You just like <laughs> uh, hype. <laughs> I can't wait. Totally exciting. See you later. What'd you say? I'm not sure. I just. Just all came out. Bye. See you next week. Bye.